G'day. Tilda Joy here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news, worker stories, and social justice issues. This program is produced on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, and we pay our respects to their elders past and present. This episode was recorded in isolation for 3CR Community Radio and broadcast nationally by the Community Radio Network. Today we're going to be speaking with Anastasia from Kapow, that's casual, unemployed and precarious university workers. We'll be talking about the deteriorating position higher education employees find themselves in after a year of pandemic, with no JobKeeper support but plenty of cuts and job losses. Well, recently we've seen a big COVID scare happen over in South Australia, with the outbreak there being linked to a casually employed security guard working both in a quarantine hotel and in the hospitality industry. The links between casual work and public health have never been so clear. While the South Australian Police Commissioner claims that we can't stop people from working two jobs, a falsehood should ring clear. A living wage would guarantee that no one would have to work more than one job. We pay miners eye-watering sums of money to work in fly-in, fly-out conditions. The idea that it's impossible to require someone to work only one job is ludicrous, particularly when that job is the most important job that there could be, containing the spread of the virus. The only explanation here is greed and avarice. It's cheaper to use insecure work, so that's what we'll keep doing. Soon after we found out about that poor worker, we learned of a second case, a migrant who withheld the fact that he worked an extra hospitality job from contact tracers, presumably because he feared being deported for being paid under the table. While the lie about his employment caused the state, unfortunately, to face a brief yet harsh lockdown, this worker in particular has been vilified viciously and been made the subject of a 20-member police task force. And we wonder why vulnerable workers might be dissuaded from sharing information. Again, had this worker been able to secure a living wage from one job, we wouldn't be in this situation at all. Meanwhile, in Victoria, the Premier Daniel Andrews has announced plans to provide five days paid sick and carers leave to casual workers, stating that no one should have to go to work sick because they can't afford not to. Interestingly, the two-year pilot is set to only cover certain industries, so I guess, for the meantime at least, some workers will be forced to go to work sick under pain of poverty. You're listening to Stick Together, recorded for 3CR Community Radio and coming to your local community radio station by the Community Radio Network. All right, thanks for joining us today, Anastasia. How are you going? Hi, Tilda. Honoured to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, it's a total pleasure. Um, would you just like to introduce yourself briefly to the audience? For sure. Um, yeah, so my name's Anastasia Kanjere. I am a casual uh, university worker, usually working in acad- academic um, roles. I work at the moment at La Trobe University, Monash University and Navitas, which is a private education provider. And I work in the Latrobe College branch of that institution. Right. So you're all over the place. Um, yes, and- I'm a COVID spreader. No, I mean, <laughs> so, I'm actually, um, obviously, because of the pandemic, all of the work I do is, in fact, from, uh, you know, my bedroom. But, um, but yes, I, I work at, I mean, and, and actually those three institutions I named are just the three that I'm currently working at, um, you know, over the past four years or so, I've worked at several others as well. Um, 
this is it's one of the ways that people manage to stitch together a living from casual employment is this kind of yeah multiple contracts going at different places that, that's extremely common right for for workers in your industry to be at many different sites and and absolutely courses and programs and stuff like that absolutely it's honestly i have never uh, i've never met an, another casual worker who is managing to earn a living wage without doing that some people are not earning living wages um and are either surviving or not surviving in other ways but to to purely make a living wage as a casual academic university worker yeah you need to you need to be at least at multiple institutions and probably in multiple different types of work as well and that that'll be raising like a lot of issues i know like myself i'm i'm studying at the moment you know and we kind of want our tutors to be uh very <laughs> responsive on the emails and and things uh-huh. like that but if, if you're juggling different courses and uh deadlines and email addresses and things like that that's going to be a, a massive workload right absolutely yeah so in terms of maintaining i mean the thing is is that as well as all of this uh you know if i ever want to achieve a more some kind of more secure employment i should also be trying to publish so you also have to kind of really intensely guard some research time or at least at least try to so yes it does not i mean i'll i'll say this quite openly it does not make you the the, the best teacher because you you are you are simply you're simply managing too much um, across too much different content. The other thing about casual work is that if you get offered it, you have to take it. You know, you know, it, it, it feels like madness to say, actually, I'm a bit kind of full up this semester. I won't take this subject. So uh, you often end up uh, a couple of semesters ago, I was teaching three new subjects that I'd never taught before and teaching more than 12 hours a week, which is about 10 hours a week is considered a full-time workload but the the truth was you get offered you get offered a way to make some money and you better take it yeah for sure and uh that kind of translates into hours and hours of kind of unpaid work yeah marking meetings following up with students uh, academic integrity cases references all the, the the kind of longer term part of being part of an education provider which obviously you know your contract finishes but that relationship or those obligations don't cease yeah um and uh you know we're seeing a lot of casuals networks across the country currently doing wage theft inquiries to 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 try to quantify but we, uh, we all know it's happening the question is kind of is is just how much it's happening totally and so that's kind of I guess just a, a brief overview of what it's like to be a casual academic mm-hmm. in any given yep. year, but we happen to be living in the year 2020 of our Lord. And um, we've got a global pandemic. Um, we've covered on the show a few times how casual uh, educators have been kind of affected by this, but do you want to just kind of let listeners at home kind of know, you know, some, some of the impacts that that's taken on, on your work? Yeah. So, well, it's made it, that bit more precarious of course it's always precarious but it definitely has increased that that sense of precarity and and kind of squeeze 
The other thing that's happened is that it's required this transfer to uh, teaching in the online space, which means um, teaching from home, which means working from home, which means providing all of your own um, kind of facilities to, 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 to be accessing the workplace with the, you know, with the issues that go with that makes the work even more isolated. Being a casual academic is incredibly isolating work anyway, and, it, and it's made it that, that bit more isolated. I, I've had multiple classes that I've taught this semester where not a single student has had their camera on. So I've been teaching to uh, black tiles and, and sometimes if I'm lucky, a little yellow thumb pops up on the black tiles and that's sort of like what you have to um, rely on for a sense of connection with your students. Um, I, I, as an educator, feel like a lot of my skills are in the physical classroom and, and, and I've, you know, I've, I've somewhat adapted, but I, I definitely have felt like I've left a lot of my skills behind. Um, and it's also created this, just this sense of the university as just this, as the, this profoundly threatened institution that does not uh, that does not have the support of the public that that it exists within, in terms of that, in in, in terms of the 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 real disinterest of, of the government to do anything to kind of rescue the sector. In fact, they glee at the kind of disintegration of the sector. So that's also quite an intense and isolating feeling. Is this is this feeling that society is pretty happy to to see you to see you fail? The other thing that I should have mentioned actually about the online teaching is the um, capacity for institutions to start forcing you to record yourself as an educator and to record your students um, in order to basically provide, uh, to, to create educational materials and of course not increasing your pay grade while they do that, even though it is increasing your duties. And I've had to have um, extremely intense battles with one of my employers. I won't say which. Uh, there's enough that um, it won't be clear um, to to refuse to refuse point blank to have my students recorded at all in the classroom, and to and to fight against myself um, being recorded at work at the same time. So that's a, that's another thing about the online space that um, be becomes a kind of point of workplace conflict. Yeah, they're really going for a twofer there, aren't they? Because, uh -huh. like, you, you, once upon a time, you get paid for doing a recorded lecture. <laughs> exactly. And, yeah. So you mentioned earlier that you're working out of the trove and um, uh, people at home may not be aware, but there's been an announcement of, like, a lot of uh, course cuts and, you know, obviously that translates into to job cuts and things um, at the moment. I was, I was wondering if you could kind of go over that for us a little bit. Yeah, so this is a the Latrobe reset. It's not allowed to be called a restructure because Latrobe is one of the signatories to the uh, NTEU's Jobs Protection Framework, which supposedly guarantees against such things as restructures. But this is the Latrobe reset, and it was actually it's actually been in the drafting process for a long time. It was something that was planned to occur in twenty twenty one. And it's just been brought forward basically um, under cover of the pandemic. Never waste a crisis. Yes. So, so as you, as you correctly point out, they're they're really they're they're starting from the point of view of being 
course cards, although the reset document is, is very clear that we are looking at a smaller workforce, that that is what we are aiming at. There's, the, there's some, some quite a lot of honesty there. So the reset is looking at reducing course offerings again, and particularly focusing within arts and education faculties. So several languages will just simply not be offered anymore as majors. And that's obviously one step towards the process of um, removing these academics. In many cases, due to really intensive cuts in 2012 and 2014 in the arts faculty of La Trobe, in many cases, there is only one full-time staff member left in certain languages. So the person who is looking down the barrel of a forced redundancies, it, you know, they are in, under no illusions as to, as to what's in store for them. And there's a lot of kind of, um, the idea is basically, of, yes, of a, much, of a much leaner university that doesn't have that kind of breadth of offering but that only offers the particular courses that uh, make money and at the same time that only researchers in those areas where big grants are coming in. The vision to me doesn't really sound like a university. The, that, that sense of a kind of broad community of learning and research is not, is not on the cards for the, kind of, for the kind of future of La Trobe. So yeah, it's pretty depressing. Yeah, you really have to wonder about it. I mean, before before we started recording, you're talking about that the halcyon days of the arts programs out mm. at out at La Trobe, and you know what a what a great uh, kind of reputation La Trobe had for providing some really you know unique kind of education, and yeah, uh, yeah, it kind of feeds back into what you were saying before about like the distancing of the community from the institution of the academy, yes. and you know like yes. Uh, yes, just being held with disdain that you'd ever you know, do something that wasn't, you know, directly benefiting a company like uh, BAE Systems or... <laughs> Correct, exactly. Yes, and I think, um, I mean, like some of the languages, you know, one of the languages under under the chopping block is Indonesian. So it's not, it's also not like, um, you know, the other is Hindi. So, you know, extremely relevant vibrant living languages for, for for residents of Australia or, you know, or international students to be studying. Um, so, yeah, and, and I think that it's a, um, I think you're absolutely right about that comment about the, the sense of community ownership. The, the, the idea that people could feel some kind of sense of connection to, to the faculties is really, that's, that's really, I think what's under what's under threat in in these cuts is 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 the idea of a university that's kind of that's kind of flourishing and connected to to what people want to learn. And I think kind of distancing the the workers themselves from having any legitimate role in our oh. society. You know, if if you if you're just teaching this nonsense art stuff, then you're not really a worker, and we don't mind if we cut your job. You know, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of pretty frightening stuff, and I think particularly for you know casual uh, teachers in the arts at the moment. Um, yeah, you're, you're mentioning these um, casual networks. You work with um, Kapow, which is uh, casualized, unemployed, precarious university workers. I think that's it. Yeah, <laughs> it's a cool acronym. Um, uh, <laughs> yes, thanks. We fun. spent a whole meeting on that. <laughs> well, it's fun to say. Um, 
But yeah, okay. So what what is the Casuals Network, and why does like the NTU and all these different branches need a specialized network for for casual workers to organize in? Yeah. So casual. So branch based casual networks have been springing up for, I guess, the last decade or so. Um, so I'm a member of. Well, I'm actually a member of the Monash Casuals Network as well. But I but I do most of my activism in the Latrobe Casuals Network. And these are uh, putatively, at least, uh, union-approved st- structures which allow for um, precarious uh, casual workers to kind of come together and talk about uh, our conditions and, and what we need to see improved. And basically, th- basically, their existence obviously already presupposes some kind of otherness of casual interests, right? So if you need to have a casuals network, that's because the rest of the union isn't really for casuals and and there's definitely some truth to that. And I think the foundation of casuals networks as well as the formation of a position on each branch committee for a casual, uh, for like designated for a casual member that should be elected by casuals, casual members is is sort of seen as part of this push um, to allow and, and it's and it's a weird push right because it's a push that is necessitated by the fact of a union that isn't speaking to at least 40 percent of the of the workforce operating within the within the work sites so it's functioning kind of as a special interest group but in many cases in many cases we are in fact the majority of the workforce and where we're the minority we're a very sizable minority we're not you know we're not easily um, discounted and we also as casuals would very much make the argument that our that our working conditions are intimately connected to the working conditions of our fixed term and, on, and ongoing staff and that that there is no capacity to build worker solidarity and to uh, build workplace democracy to build some kind of secure future for the institution without casual and precarious workers being a part of that story, as well as unemployed workers, which is another thing that we try to talk about in Kapow and which the NTEU has so far done almost no no work on. I think that's a, it's an interesting Sorry. thing for casual um, uh, university workers to talk about you know, unemployed workers, because uh, you're only employed for 24 weeks of the year, really, right? right. Like, like the majority of the yeah. year you are unemployed. Yes, uh, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so that's, I think that is why we have found it a lot easier at Kapow. It was an early decision. We actually, for I think for maybe like three meetings, we were called the National Higher Education Casuals Network. And very soon someone made the point that actually, you know, unemployed workers. I mean, I think the meeting was that that meeting was being chaired by a currently unemployed worker. So, so it was kind of quite an easy leap. Um, but also to understand that in in our in our work within casual networks, one of the things that is is really difficult about organizing casual workers is yeah, like you say, that 24 week weeks of the year thing, someone you know is is just kind of getting their feet as a new delegate and you know you're really excited about them as an activist and then they don't get work that semester 
And yes, maybe maybe it was retaliatory for their union work. Maybe it wasn't. You'll never really know. But that person, you know, leaves that workforce that, or that work site. And so, and so far, we haven't found a meaningful way for them to stay to, for them to stay engaged in union work. But at Kapow, because there is this this broader network focus, and a big part of why we wanted to exist was to allow people to 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 shift between casuals networks to find the casual activists in their new place of work and so can so to be able to continue to do the work that they've been doing and use the skills they've they've accrued um without them just being lost between between sessional contracts um it was much that that became it might became much easier for, for unemployed workers to, to clearly be a relevant part of that and we you know and we've also been really lucky to be working with the AUWU on this, um, you know, you know, many of us are also members of the AUWU and, you know, we're maybe solidarity members today and proper members tomorrow, right? Totally. The reason that Kapow is needed is, uh, yeah, let, 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 let me be blunt. The, the, the current model and that, that the NTU is using for organizing the university sector is inadequate and will fail and the only way that the sector can be saved the only way that the relentless destruction of educational standards of workplace standards can be halted if not reversed is through a significant change in the structures and attitudes and organizing of the the union so at kapow we we don't only want to see casual workers represented in decision making although that is absolutely crucial and it should be obvious to anyone who has looked at the university sector recently that it is absolutely crucial that casual workers should be represented in in, in decision making and sh and should not be relegated to a bargaining chip that can be traded away at the at the negotiations table for better conditions for fixed term and ongoing staff that should be fundamentally obvious it isn't to many but it should be but there's but there's more than that in what kapow is saying which is to say that we need to see a deep form of connecting and organizing workers that allows for huge participation compared to what we are currently seeing in the NTU. Much higher density and much higher participation and meaningful participation by the workers. And yes, that is a radical rethinking of the way that our union currently functions, but there is absolutely no alternative in from the Kapow point of view. And the other thing that we would say is that this change that we are proposing is absolutely a positive and optimistic change that will bring good things for current fixed term and ongoing staff. This is not, it's not, we are frequently accused of special interest groups, which is so maddeningly foolish. But this is the this is a a change that is needed for the benefit of all workers and for all people who ever plan 
to access tertiary education or hope that someone that they love or care about one day might, right? Like th these are the stakes that we're talking about. And, and we believe that a very profound reorientation should not be too much of a sacrifice to make in that context. Good one. Well, glad the Kapow exists. Um, all, <laughs> all power to your arm. Um, Thank you. Say there was some education, you know, some uh, higher education workers listening at the moment. Um, what would you say to them? You know, how, how should they get involved? Right. So if you are um, a precarious or unemployed worker, um, please um, get in touch with us at Kapow. You can find us at at C-U-P-U workers uh, on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook and we have a website and also a newsletter uh, titled The Fox, which is a, a nice a nice way to sort of get, get, a, get a sense of who we are and what we're about. Um, we'd also love for you to engage in your local casuals network if, if you have one. And if you don't have one, we'd love to see you set one up. At Kapow, we're really happy to offer support to people who are who are looking at going down that route. So so again, if you if you don't have a casuals network at your local institution or you don't think you do, um, please get in please uh, get in touch with us. In terms of fixed term and, and ongoing staff, I guess, I mean there's a few things that I'd say. Obviously I I, I want to see all workers participating in their union and particularly all workers who are um, spending their time listening to Tilda Joy's thoughts about unionism, I really would love to see you in your um, active in your union. And I guess the other thing that I would say is again, and yet you, probably the listeners of your show don't need to hear this, but your organising must be speaking to all workers in the sector. It's, it's just not meaningful if it isn't. And I, I guess I don't know how I can sort of say that more um, forcefully, but also in a comradely fashion than that. Touch one, touch all, or else. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. All right, good one. Um, well, thanks for joining me today. A uh, pleasure. Thanks yeah, so much for having me. Anything else you want to shout out before you take off? Um, no. Oh, one thing is is that we have a um, we have a picnic this. I don't know. When's this going to air? Wednesday. Okay, great. So we have a picnic this Saturday, the 28th at 3 p.m. in the Fitzroy Gardens. It's for all casual, unemployed and precarious workers in the university sector. It's co-hosted by the AUWU. Even if it's the first time that you're um, engaging with Kapow, we'd love to see you there. You can register on our website. Beauty, get on down. All right. Well, yeah. um, take care. I'll catch up with you soon, hey? Cool. Thanks so much, Tilda. Well, that's it for Stick Together this week. Stick Together is produced for 3CR Community Radio in so-called Melbourne. Stick Together is made possible through the financial support of the Community Broadcasting Foundation and we come to you on the Community Radio Network through a local community radio station. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au or wherever you get your podcasts and you can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com. My name's Tilda Joy. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there's a union for you. Until next time, stick together. been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.